Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. It is time for a Counterpoint. We got our crew locked in. We got John Raz, former Liberal War Room director. Hello there. Hi-ho. And Bill Hutchison, former competitor, former broadcaster, and now professor over at Seneca. Hello. Hi there. Well, I'm not sure if um, you guys both heard my last interview, but uh, Captain Kim Fawcett, Kimberly Fawcett, will soon be candidate Kimberly Fawcett going up against Bill Blair in the riding of Scarborough West. And as soon as I saw this headline, I was like, wow, that is one to watch. I think she's a fabulous candidate. She's got an unbelievably inspiring story, something people can not relate to, but can certainly uh, respect and appreciate. And her... um, Entrance into politics comes on a day when the Liberals lose another big military name, a star candidate in 2015 and someone who they didn't do anything with really uh, in government would be Andrew Leslie. So he's a retired lieutenant general, um, you know, and he's saying time to move on. He becomes the seventh MP that will not be running for the Liberals. And I get it that they retire Bill, but after one term, nah. I think some of them are reading the writing on the wall. And as for for, uh, Captain Fawcett, I mean, yeah, as you said, she's got a tremendous story to tell. Here's a woman that lost her child, lost her leg, came back from losing her leg and still was redeployed to Afghanistan in 2008. All she's asked from the military is to pay for her prosthetic leg. And for some reason, the military decided, no, we're going to spend more money fighting you in court. When she went to her liberal MP, Bill Blair, and said, can you help me out? He ignored her. Mm. So she's going to be a formidable candidate against him. And right now, if she needs people to knock on doors with her, I'm there. I think a lot of people are like you. I mean, A, she lives in the riding, John. So she's, you know, she has a very good grasp of of what she's dealing with and the people and the issues. But she, uh, like Bill Blair, she's got name recognition. And it wasn't an automatic that she was going to run for the Conservatives, but she is. And I think it's a really big score for Andrew Shearer. I think... You know, and as somebody who's been around uh, the military abroad, et cetera, I think that there is a, a deep and long felt frustration with both parties. Justin Trudeau came out of the gate, as we all know, lots of hopey, changey promises. We're going to take care of our veterans. I know a lot of veterans. They're not taken care of. No. Having said that, the government prior to Trudeau sure. didn't do it either. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're seeing is, you know, people are just, you know, who, who come from boot culture, I, I, that's a trite way of putting it, et cetera. Whether it's Bill Blair and the police, or whether it's Andrew Leslie, one of our most vaunted and, and, and distinguished uh, officers in the Canadian Forces, it is difficult for them, coming from the culture that they live in, to represent either party when those parties make promises and instead of delivering, we end up with suicides, untreated PTSD, and veterans living across the country who feel abandoned by a country that they protected, uh, well, not just our country, but the freedoms of the West, uh, who are never sung and triumphed the way they are in the United States. This is a country that is It's a discarded ministry, quiet. we've seen it, yeah. It but is here, a discarded here's... ministry, and that's what this is about. But, you know, it did see some improvement when Aaron O'Toole took it over because he's a military guy. He understands military. And then, of course, there was a change in government. So he never really got his, 
his, uh, you know, hands dirty on the file. But that's when uh, any vet that I've spoken to said they started to actually see some positive change. And her campaign will play against the backdrop of Justin Trudeau speaking to that other veteran saying, the reason we're fighting you guys in court is you're asking for too much. Now, yeah. it, it, now, just to get to the politics of it, Scarborough is an interesting place for this to all yeah. go down yeah. because Scarborough is not notorious for its love of authority. No, but they do. <laughs> but 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 Doug Ford will likely campaign for her along with mm-hmm. her, and he's very popular there. But I I think I think if Bill Blair thought he was going to coast to a second um, term, I think that all changed today. I, no, I, I agree. I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even begin to try and surmise why Bill. Is leaving. Well, he's not leaving. No, Bill, Bill Blair's Blair. not leaving. He's running again. He's running against oh, If he's Freudian leaving, Freudian. it's because he lost. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That must be a Freudian slip. <laughs> okay. Um, and in news that will shock no one, uh, two Loblaws lobbyists, one of which helped steer the company towards that controversial $12 million federal grant, um, well, they also donated frequently to the Liberal Party and attended a very partisan fundraising event with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. And Catherine McKenna admits to the meeting, but still says, no, 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 no. Loblaws went through this very competitive process. But let's be honest. John, this is a program that very few small businesses can take advantage of because they don't have the connections nor the deep pockets that a company like Loblaws has to take advantage of it. And now we hear, well, they're all just bosom buddies. Loblaws, big employer. I shop there regularly, Mm -hmm. and I would be utterly shocked if I couldn't confirm if I spent the time that the very same lobbyists were at conservative fundraisers when Stephen Harper was the prime minister, because the job of lobbyists for large corporations is to attend to the interests of their corporation to the sitting government and to the opposition. And the government's responsibility is to represent the taxpayers, mm-hmm. not to reward the people who are donating to the party and showing up at the cash for access uh, parties with the prime minister. There is nothing untoward about individuals contributing to okay, political but the, parties. But the, uh, there's nothing illegal, John, but it's it, it's not exactly a good look when you see, um, you know, you rub my back, I'll rub yours, you know, rub-a-dub-dub, and it's like you turn around and get 12 million bucks. Again, oh, yeah. you got to look at the context here. Uh, first of all, people were outraged when, when Loblaws got the $12 million as a grant anyway. This is a very, very successful company. I there. And there's an awful lot of mom-and-pop stores that can't afford to replace the refrigerators. They don't get access to this kind of money. But this also plays off against uh, the treatment that SNC-Lavalin was getting, the special treatment that uh, the liberal elite corporate bodies get uh, because they are so close to the prime minister and they're close to the the government and they play the game very well and they get these kind of special, the special treatment. People are already outraged about the, the $12 million. Now to find out that the, the lobbyists for, for Loblaws were making donations to the Liberal Party and that they were going to this cash for access party with the prime minister and they get a $12 million grant. That's just the stink just keeps going. When did every fundraiser become a cash for access program? Jean Chrétien. Yeah, that's not the issue. And Stephen Harper had one thing in common. They both saw that there needed to be limits on donations to political parties and the elimination of corporate and union influence, and they did great things. The amount of money that these people are allowed to contribute could hardly be called cash for access. It's one night at the Ritz-Carlton. It's cozying up that a lot of mom-and-pop stores can't do. There you go. Um, All right, let's pause it there. We'll take a quick break, and we'll talk about why a wonderful policy in minimum wage, which was rushed out, if it was so fantastic, why did it need to be propped up by a $50 million fund? 
that next year. On point on Global News Radio. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. We got Bill Hutchison and John Mraz joining us here for uh, this part of Counterpoint. Um, the Ford government has uh, ended a $50 million fund that was used to subsidize child care centers to cover the increased labor costs. Uh, you know, so they wouldn't be passed on to parents. And this was a move put in and a, and a file put in by the Wynn government. And they got huge blowback when they brought in their sudden minimum wage hike in 2018. They were warned that there'd be layoffs. They were warned there'd be job loss. Be, they were warned that there would be cost increases. And yet uh, they put this fund in. And my my problem is, Bill, you know, we've been told time and time again that there were no costs to the minimum wage. It, there was no problem. It didn't cripple anything. It didn't change anything. But if we have to subsidize it, then it's not working. When businesses went to the government and said, you can't raise the minimum wage that quick, that much that quickly, we just can't handle it. The government's response was, well, you just have to raise your prices. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, one, some of the businesses that had to raise their, raise their prices were daycare centers. Right. And then the government said, oh, wait, that's going to cost us votes if daycare costs go up. Right. So we'll roll out a $50 million fund to help subsidize that. Now, let's look at were the Were they going to add another 50 for the next dollar that was going up? Like, was that the plan to do $100 million? Who knows? You know, once they get reelected, if they'd been reelected with a majority, then they we probably ignore it. it. But let's look at the numbers. The daycare centers say that's going to be an extra $72 a month yep. uh, for your kid, which is $18 a week, which is $3.60 a day. Yep. If your kid's the most precious thing in your world, an extra $3.60 a day, I think parents can find that. But it's 900 bucks a, mo- a year. Yeah. I mean, it's an extra. I mean, look. When my kids were small, when I, my kids were small, I wasn't making a whole lot of money. Yeah. And we sacrificed. Yeah. We didn't go on fancy trips. Mm-hmm. We drove old cars. Uh, you know, I, we didn't live in a real fancy house, still don't live in a real fancy house, but uh, we made sacrifices to, to look after our kids. Sure. But the big argument, John, is that, oh, my God, here the Ford government goes taking away. I didn't even know this fund was available, first of all, which tells me they, again, it confirms they were making this policy up on the fly. But, you know, this minimum wage increase, and I don't begrudge anyone making a fair wage, but the way it was done was so badly that they knew that they had to fix this thing and and buy, you know, back some favor. I think that's the only thing that discomforts me about the story. It was so awkwardly, like, sort of framed. It's sort of like, why couldn't somebody say out loud, hey, I'd really like it if the child care worker, and, 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 you know, we all have kids here, mm-hmm. um, wasn't starving and homeless, and so we'll make an exemption or we'll make this work in, you know, permanently, et cetera. And, and, and so that's the first part that bothers me, that, that the way that the Wynn government organized this is, 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 is very strange. The second one is... Why would Doug Ford want to take money away from the people who take care of our children? He's, He's providing tax away. credits for child care. He's providing other money. We should Come be on. hold on a second. Why are we subsidizing a minimum wage hike? This is not this is not why are we subsidizing no, everything? This is ridiculous. This it's such a good policy. No, 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 no. You I'm all for everybody being homeless and starving. That's I mean, not I'm what... right behind that. Come on. If it's a sound policy and if that had been rolled out by the way properly, businesses would have been able to do this seamlessly, but it was Kathleen Wynne who said, we're not going to raise minimum wage, only to turn around six months later and say, yes, we are, because we're going to lose the election. And if it had been done properly, we wouldn't be talking about $50 million because we wouldn't have needed it. Quite and this frankly, program was supposed to run out March 31st. Yes. Quite, quite frankly, if anybody deserves more money, because, uh, you know, my kid, because 
both uh, his mother and I were working full time. Of course, we're in, I I think that just to put up with my kid alone, twenty five bucks an hour. <laughs> well, okay, hey, so you're free I to have pay no that. problem with the the childcare workers making a decent wage. But I, what I have the problem with is is parents coming to me and saying, you know what, they may need to make a decent wage, so you got to pay for it. Well, wait a second, it's your kid. Yeah, the state is not to be. Why does yeah. it's not, the state should not be responsible for paying the for state kids? Wastes lots of money on yes. all sorts of oh, stupid things. Okay, well, that's right. I feel child care is an unassailable, you know. I right. get it, but we're broke. It would be fantastic All if right. we weren't you broke. Know what? You know what? This was a vote You're buying. Right. I this was a vote the buying children. program. Oh by come the, on! The Don't throw government. the children into this to turn the page. This I is mean, all about you know what? children. Right, if my but kids we're were in daycare. I'd Ford. find that extra eighteen dollars a week to uh, pay my for. My kid just was in daycare, and I'm still in therapy for it because I've never been able to get over the cost of it. It's outrageously expensive. But again. If a plan had been put into place, and if the last government hadn't blown through trillions of dollars, you know what we could have had? Daycare. And you've just made Instead the we got an eight Jesus billion... cry. <laughs> I mean, come on. Instead, we got an $8 billion e-health program that doesn't work. you got to use it on a VicCom 44 See, or whatever the heck it's called. and if you called. go after that, I'm right behind okay, you. Okay, there you go. Uh, the province, meanwhile, has to get the books in order. The municipalities right across the province are none too happy with the cuts or efficiencies or whatever you're, uh, we're calling them these days. Um, and th- without question, John Tory, Doug Ford are openly trading barbs. They're, they're like an old man couple. Uh, one doesn't want to talk, one wants to talk. They're perfect. But here is John Tory today. If it looks like a cutback, <laughs> if it walks like a cutback, if it quacks like a cutback, then it's a cutback. And, and I guess I would have more respect if they just stood up and said, you know what? It's a cutback here. It's not empowering municipalities and it's not sh- making a modest shift. It's making a dramatic cutback in the support historically that has been provided to Toronto and every other municipality in Ontario to deliver things that will keep people healthier, keep them out of the hospital, away from the doctor's office and keep the province stronger and more prosperous as a result of being healthier. All right, John, is this a personal war or a rivalry expected uh, theatrics? I think you just replaced the word cutback with crusty old beleaguered men. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like... Le- there is no love lost. Were you looking at me when you said that? <laughs> He's not looking at me. Well, you're much more ha- handsome oh, than I'm, beleaguered. Yeah. But, and you're not that crusty. You're quite smooth. Like pudding. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> this took a turn oh, very just... quickly. <laughs> or melted ice cream. Okay. Anyway, so, look. It is no secret that Doug Ford and John Tory. Do not see the world in the same way. Having said that, they have to get along. There's a little well, bit of fear going on here. I may down. or may not have made a call to the uh, city hall uh, janitor that I might know down before I did the show. And I said, how really is the animus really that intense? No, it's not. They're both fighting for the rights of their constituents. I don't think it's personal. I actually think most of the time these guys don't do badly together, considering what different worldviews they might have. So I, uh, I think everybody will have forgotten about this tomorrow, and we'll be well, back. Well, no, we won't. We won't have a choice but to listen to everyone fighting again, because tomorrow it'll be like, what protest will be at Queen's Park? Every day is like Groundhog Day now. If it's <laughs> that important to save the, the public health uh, dollars, then find the efficiencies in your budget. You've got a huge budget at the city. What is it, $14, 15000000000 billion now, $16 billion? At Sanctuary City. I think you can find some money there. They spent $2.6 million. Using. Apparently they spent <laughs> $2.6 million watering and pruning dead trees. Mm-hmm. So you know what? There are some efficiencies that can be found there. And, and I'm sure that in the Toronto Public Health budget as well, because there's a lot of project creep there, there's some efficiencies they could find so you don't have to cut essential services. But that's the easy thing for politicians who are upset about it. 
Let's point to the essential services. Let's point to the things that people are going to be this. upset At every about. level, they should all be doing audits and saying, okay, we've got to get rid of this. Sorry, you guys, we can't but buy your coffee and donuts But City Hall does not anymore. know how to find efficiencies. Well, City Hall does do. not know how to, yeah. to cut costs. And with you, let's go back to the 70s. Let's nuke the gay whales for Jesus. Come on. <laughs> what, the, what, does that, what does that even... What does that even mean? Project creep? Is that like, is that a new sort of porn channel? What does project creep <laughs> Maybe mean? in your house. What does that mean? Would you prefer mandate creep? Well, now, now I'm a little because. more excited. Okay. On that, uh, I do not want to know what your plans are tonight. But then, uh, but on that note, we will leave it. But I thank you very much, Bill Hutchison and John Mraz. I appreciate it. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.